wasn't doing it for me. <laughs> well, great to see you here tonight, and uh, fantastic to, to have this opportunity to uh, speak to you as leaders and as people who are investing into the life of the church and the future of our church. That's what these nights are all about, and that's why they're so important. So, um, first of all, I always like to do some practical training. So, we're going to do some practical training, and I'm going to ask um, uh, maybe Derek. Yeah, that's Derek. You know who you are. Come on here and join me, please. And Sean, because he won a USB, so he can come on here. You're going to work for what you come up the top here. <coughs> so, what we do, what we have to do is so all all men mainly. And this, we're not uh, sexist at all. Women can do this as well if they want to. But we really, at this point in the life of our church, we we appreciate men in the church. Who appreciates our men? I can't even talk tonight. So, right now. Sean has come forward for prayer. So what we're going to do is we're going to say, we're going to teach you how to do catches ministry. Because, because we're not very good at it. So, so Derek, if you could stand behind him, please. So I've got a few ideas here. How not to be, how not to be a catcher. Now, these guys have not, they've not been prepped for this. They don't know what's happening. But if you're, if you're the, 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 the catchers, you're, you're right where you should be. So here's a couple of tips. Stand as close as you can. Now do it this way so that I can see where you're looking. So stand as close as you can to the to the person. About that much will be good. So stand close. Stand directly behind. You're right that okay. Maybe when when the preacher when the preacher the speaker starting to get a little bit intense. Maybe put a hand on their back. One, that's good. You think, yeah, that's right. Then they know that there's someone there. So if you're if you're the person being prayed for, maybe just look back. See if there's anyone behind you. That's just wisdom. So yeah, it's not wrong. But it is important that we do this. So some things that we don't that that we don't do if you're the catcher is. Is I'll often say quick, quickly come up here, quickly. I'll say to people come up, move fast, and don't don't go to one side like this, because they're going to hurt themselves and you're going to get hurt too. So so you'll stand as close as you can behind them. We will be prepping our guest speakers. Don't pray for anyone. Don't go near anyone until there's a, a catcher behind them. So so. What we do need is, is we need guys in the church, and all of you here tonight, um, you feel free when there's an altar call, when there's a guest ministry, when there's not a guest ministry, if we call people forward, then automatically you don't have to say, can I have all the catchers, please? Because that's a bit weird. Because people who aren't used to church will go, what's a catcher? What are they catching? So, so you automatically come on down, stand behind somebody, and then move along the crowd. Now, the other thing, too, if you're a, a, a player, so this is a lot of practical things here. So you're the player to, today. And, and I say, okay, we're going to ask all the music team tonight. Yeah, those people cheered already. <coughs> all the music team, we're going to ask them to pray for people today because we want an anointing of worship coming up. And so you, you come up and say to people, there's no catcher, there's no catcher. This person is wobbling. And sometimes they don't wobble. They just, they just go spontaneous. And uh, you, you never know what they're going to do. But if you're thinking, well, I'm not too sure, then it's okay to say, you know what? Why don't we just get a chair and you sit down and I'll keep praying for you. Because they've got to try pretty hard 
to hurt themselves if they're already sitting. So, and they probably won't. So, so that's much better. It's just called um, being prepared. So there's nothing wrong with that. So, so that's our captive ministry. I'll, I'll quickly, I'll go to some points just to make sure I've got them. Stand right behind the person. Okay, get these four points. We're going to do an exam. Stand right behind the person. Put a hand on them if appropriately and gently. Don't, don't push them forward when the preacher's trying to push them backwards. And, and we don't push people. That's not what we do. Um, the, other, the other thing that's really important, be attentive. Watch what's happening. Because I've seen it many times. I've been in, in wild Pentecostal meetings and, and the people come up to, to catch and they're like, you know, uh, oh, they start, they get the overflow and, 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 and you've got to think, well, hang on, it's not about me right now. I've got to be protecting the person who's getting paid for. So be attentive. Watch what, what's happening and, and sort of try and anticipate what's going to happen next and, and maybe which way they're going to go. There was a guy at Mount Barker called Keith Hardman and every time he got prayed for, and I, I was a catcher. I was a master catcher. You, you remember Keith, Luke? He, he would, he'd be getting paid for, but he would never just go down nicely. He would literally be like, he'd have his hands raised, and he'd literally go, oh, like that, and backwards. And so it was like, you need 10 men to catch him. So we've got to be prepared for, for, for those ones as well. But uh, don't stand to one side with one arm out. You won't catch much from there. Um, and if you're praying for, for someone, again, if there's no catcher, just say, hey, why don't we just grab a chair and sit down? Um, and it's not, un, it's not unspiritual. It's just, it's just being prepared. So um, got that, everybody? So all you guys here tonight, feel free. When we're doing old calls, come on down, help us. So when, whenever we say, hey, come on, we're going to get people to come down and pray, then automatically you're all authorized. Come down from your seat. Any one of you here tonight, and uh, stand with people. And if there's no men standing there, then women say, there's just three of us, and stand. You can do it. <coughs> also, our building update, just want to let you know, we obviously seen things happening around about the church. Um, we have taken out a loan to, to complete all the work that we want to get done. So far, with quotes that have come in, we've got about $133,000 worth of work ahead of us. Um, and I don't want us to sit for the next 95 years with a debt-free church. And so I really want um, uh, to, uh, I guess, compel you, uh, urge you, uh, motivate you to get on board with the vision of the church because it's a good vision and we want to have a great church. So, um, you know, this uh, one priority giving coming up every August, really pray about that and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do to help support that? Because it goes to making our church better. And as I said on Sunday, it's not just about let's get this place ready because we've got to prepare ourselves with, with uh, finance in the bank so that we can build a brand new church. And I, wanted, I, I reckon we've got between now and the next five years to start planning for that and maybe sooner if we keep going the way we're going. So that's all that. That's the, um, the only reports I think I have to say. But uh, I do have a little bit of a list here of all the jobs. Um, if you want to have a look at that, you can have a look on some of the quotes that we've had in. Um, but we want to make the church uh, look good. We want it to be practical and um, uh, functional and all those sorts of things. So um, join us with that. 
So I'm going to preach tonight just for a short time, I think. And um, hopefully I can be finished by 8.30. Do you reckon I can? Because I'm not feeling well. Do you feel sorry for me? No, that's okay. So, I know, some of you are thinking, oh, I can't do that. So I've, I've titled my message tonight, Changing Gears. So, um, I've got a quote, actually. Quote of the month. This is what Brian Houston says from Hillsong. Really just a small change is what's important. I like that. Now, if you don't know how, how Hillsong is and how it looks all around the world, Brian just says, really just a small change is what's crucial. I love that. <coughs> so, that's a quote. I might just leave my message there just to be safe. So, as you would have noticed, who's been here in the church you know, for 20 years? Put your hand up. Brian's great. He'll get a gold watch, but not tonight. <laughs> Who's been here for, for, for five years or less? Put your hands up. Okay. That's good. That's really good. So we've got a good mix of people here, and you don't get a gold watch either. <coughs> but while, uh, you know, for the last number of years, the church has been in a stable place, um, and, you know, it hasn't been that bad. It's been going down. It's just been stable. I think space is come and go, but the, the level of the church has stayed pretty steady. Um, it's only been over the last year and a half or so where we've seen a sudden growth um, that we suddenly need, uh, we see the need uh, of where things have lacked. When things were stable and just coasting along, oh, it doesn't really matter, we just do things and we, we plug the gaps and all that, but it's not until you see, like we have seen lately, sudden jumps of attendance and that sort of stuff that you realize, wow, we, we aren't uh, as strong as we thought we were and we have all these areas of lack. <coughs> so just to give you an idea, uh, church has grown from January to January, 2016 to 2017, uh, um, uh, there's an average growth of 17%. And that, that's pretty huge. That, that is big. It might not sound big to you, but in church growth, um, things, that's huge. You know, mostly you might expect in a, in a good year about 5% or 7%. Um, for instance, Hillsong, uh, and, and I love Hillsong, I think they're doing a phenomenal job, their average yearly growth is 7%. So it's consistent year after year, and so that's why they're so strong. Um, the other part of, of the equation here is uh, our church hasn't seen an increase in volunteers. So although we've seen an increase on our Sunday attendance rate of 17%, we've probably actually gone down in our uh, volunteer base, which means we've got problems, means we can't do what we want to do. So <coughs> um, we, in some areas we have, um, I think, less workers. Uh, probably one area where we have more is probably the sound desk and, and the lighting and, and that. So that's, that's a good thing. So we're probably seeing more there. And so that's a win. We got one win out of all of them. So <laughs> yay. <coughs> so while we have a, a great thing happening in, in seeing that attendance rise, um, and it's what every church wants to see, and it's what every Christian ought to want to see, because that, that's the whole thing, is that means that we're, we're making the church relevant, we're making the church successful, we're making the church a place where people want to be, and that's what we all aim for. Um, uh, 
you can easily see that Fiji Rose and lose momentum as many children do see, and it happens often. And it's almost like you, you, you almost at the top of the hill, but you didn't quite make it. And then suddenly the, the, the uh, momentum stops and then you start sliding backwards. And I don't want to see that for our church because for Ingham Regent Church to be strong, powerful, uh, has a voice, has a purpose. That's the reason why we put a sign up at Centenary Oval because we want people to, to hear a message of hope. We want people, because it's all about people of Fort Lincoln, to say, you know, um, there is something to love. And there is someone who loves us. And that is the church and that is Jesus. So all those things. <coughs> so while we have great things happening, um, we've got to try all that we can to maintain momentum and keep the things moving. So I've called it changing gears. So... Um, I'm operating at a different level now than I was two years ago because I had to change gears. I'm, you know, if you know it or not, I'm now on the state executive. I can't operate as, as a, um, just what I was doing before as a local church pastor. Now I'm on the state executive. So I have to deal with issues that other pastors deal with. So I have to, I, I'm writing uh, policies and, and things like that for the whole state uh, from here. So I've got, to, I've got to change my gears. Otherwise, if I, if I think, well, I'm just going to operate and think and, and behave like I'm just dealing with a, a congregation in my church, then I'm not going to be able to function effectively in the role as a state executive person. So um, things have changed for me. And if, as a church, things are changing within our church, and if we don't change here, what happens is... is you know, if you if you know about driving, if you don't change gear, things start to shudder. Things start to rattle. Sometimes you start to bunny hop. And you know, when you bunny hop, it's not fun. People get hurt. But we shudder and shake. And the ride doesn't become fun anymore. And we stall and then we stop. So the thing that, that I'm trying to, to convey to you today is we don't want to stall, we don't want to stop, we don't want to have shudders all along the place. We're, we're, we're cringing all the time because church is becoming a cringe factor everywhere we look. We don't want that. We want to change gears smoothly. We have to change gear, and it starts with us who are here tonight. We've got to have a mindset and a capacity that says, if I just do what I used to do, if I stayed in the gear I was, then I'm going to start to slow down and my slowing down will slow down everyone around me and then if enough of them slow down, we slow down everything. And then we say, well, we had the little church that we always loved. But you know what? That's not giving Bluff what he should be doing. It's not giving Port Lincoln what it should be doing. So <coughs> the real issue is to be continually increasing our worker base, not only to keep up with our current size and needs, but to enlarge the base um, to be in front of the pace of growth. So we didn't, we didn't really do that before very well. So when we got to where we are now, we, we weren't in front of the pace that we needed to be, and we had a lot of people who say, look, we need help with this and that. And they go, oh, ask someone else. I don't believe in women's ministry, or I don't do this or that. You know something? It's, it's about saying, well, if I put my, if I put my gear in, then we're going we're gonna to start doing something here. So at the moment, we're behind the pace 
almost murdered a pastor. And that's not a reflection on anybody. It's a reflection on my reading and uh, something we need to change. So, uh, you know, if you just look across the broad section, if there's something, kids leaders, you need more. Youth leaders, you need more. Uh, welcome team, we need more. Admin, we need more. Uh, gardening and all those things, we need more. Worship teams, we need more. And, uh, and hopefully tonight I'm going to give you some clues of how we're going to do that. It's not a, okay, this is a strategy and, and you do this and you do that. It's a spiritual thing that you've got to catch. So right now I'm going to pray that we catch the spirit because it's a spiritual breakthrough, not a mechanical breakthrough we need. Okay, so great. Let's end with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray right now that we catch something in our spirit of what we're trying to achieve here in this city. So Lord, I just pray today that the words I speak are just normal, that they come out with supernatural power. So Lord, make your word come alive. Uh, strengthen me to share the word and give me insight as I preach that you may truly make a difference in this city, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, changing gears at one heart is what we're doing. Um, it's changing gears from coming to church for my needs to coming to church to fulfill the needs of others. That's the basic foundation of church. So, if you've been a Christian for, for any length of time, you've got to change gears from coming to church for your needs, for your worship, for your friends, for your coffee, whatever else it is, to Coming to church to fulfill the needs of somebody else. That's what we're here for. It's not that hard to, to, to shift gears when we understand these reasons. So we shift gears once, we shift gears again, and we just have to keep doing that to fulfill what needs to be done at any time. So it's very hard, if not impossible, to build church of any strength without this foundation. So focus on the lost. Focus on people disconnected from God. Our mission is to be a light that, um, that steers others to God. That's our, that's our uh, mission, to be a light in a hill that cannot be hidden, that helps people to find their way to God. That's why we do what we do. <coughs> um, having that foundation in mind, we need work and strategic coordination. In maintenance mode, you can operate how we have been. But to maintain pace, to increase pace, we need to increase the base of our worship. So I'm, so I'm really appealing to you for the sake of this church, for the sake of what's next. You've got to be saying, God, help me to change gears in my life. Sometimes you have to change um, the attitude, uh, change who you're speaking to. Uh, change what you're thinking about when it comes to church life and uh, start to talk up. Start to talk up the things of, of God in your life and what's happening in the church. So I'm going to show you two scriptures tonight and try and go through them as quickly as, as I can. And the first one about changing gears is realizing your role is really, really important. I'll show you. We all know the story or we, we might have heard the story can't assume here tonight. It's the story of Lazarus. He was the guy who died because Jesus took too long to get there. He died because Jesus took too long to get there. It was in Jesus, and that's why they said to Jesus, if you had have come, he wouldn't have died. And, and we have this habit of saying, blaming God for things that happen naturally. 
And we shouldn't do that. It's like, let's let the tribe split. Let's something else do it. In John 11, verse 39, uh, it says, that it's just before that, it says, Jesus was still angry. I don't know what he was angry about, but it says he was still angry. I think he's, he's getting to that point where every pastor and every leader gets to this. Thinking, How long do I have to put up with these people? Asking stupid questions and, 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 and always making it about them all the time. All these kind of things. But I don't go through. Other pastors tell me that. <coughs> but Jesus and Lazarus were dead men. See, Jesus gets them, and, and if you turn your Bible to John 11, verse 39, it says, um, what, what I want you to see is the miracle began when Jesus told Peter to roll the stone away. So you think, what has that got to do with anything? So Jesus says, there's people all around this tomb. They're all crying. Oh, Lazarus, dead. Look at Lazarus. If you didn't take so long, he wouldn't have died. It's your fault. They're, they're blaming God for the condition of the church. And so Jesus gets them. says he was still angry, and he, and he, he looks at the situation. He sees the tomb with the, rolls, uh, the, the stone over the mouth of the tomb, and he says, roll the stone away. Now, angels didn't come down from heaven and say, oh, yes, Jesus, these thunderbolts and lightning and smoke and, and amazing things and miracles happening where the angels roll the stone away. People around the tomb got in there and they rolled the stone away. The first thing that happens, if we're going to see momentum uh, kick in fully in the life of the church, is you have to be hearing the voice of Jesus and saying, well, what stones do I need to roll out of the way of the tombs of dead things so that a miracle can happen next? <coughs> what does that actually look like? The miracle begins by people rolling the stone aside. Having our doors open is like rolling the stone away. Uh, we can't open the doors of the church without everyone serving as we do every week. Jesus got people to roll the stone aside to make way for a miracle. The miracle can't take place while Jesus is, is speaking to a stone that's covering the tomb. We need to roll those stones away. We've got to, got to roll the stones away from our own life, from things that, that we think that, that Jesus took too long to happen. You might be thinking, well, I had, a, I had a thought that I was called to ministry, but it took too long, and I let it die. And, I, and, and we rolled a stone over that. And I said, I've closed that off. You know, I've spoken to people who, who've been my peers, and, and they're not in ministry. They're not doing anything. And they say, oh, I put that aside. They rolled the stone in front of their, that part of their life. Because Jesus took too long to get there. I can tell you, Jesus never takes too long to get there. And he always wants to do a miracle. And he's got, he's got us here today to be the people standing by to start rolling the stone away for other people. So that they can get their miracle. <clears throat> Is that making sense? So it goes on uh, in, in verses 43 and 44, John chapter 11. And the very last little bit says, so, so Jesus calls out, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes forth and he, he comes out. Because, you know, the, you know the, the, the curious thing is that people of Israel spent 400 years in Egypt so they could see the dead people, wrapping them all up in bandages. Um, and that's why Pharaoh was confused because his, da his daddy was a mummy. <coughs> so, but anyway, Lazarus comes out of the tomb and everyone's like, you think about it. He's been dead for, for days. And they said he was sick, and here he comes. Jesus can't see. He's all wrapped up. 
And the amazing thing is, after this dead man gets raised to life, why didn't he just come out in glory and splendor with everything off him, like, like the glorious sunshine beating down, all this amazing stuff, some smoke, you know, the magical smoke machine and all that stuff. What would it like that he just comes out? And Jesus says to those standing by, unwrap him. Unwrap him. They said, what am I getting at here? I'm getting so excited here tonight. Because Jesus told those around him when he came out of the tomb, now unwrap him. So we can easily miss our opportunity from God because we didn't roll away the stone or unwrap the bandages. So what's this mean? It's our responsibility to be unwrapping others to their place of freedom. God is calling us all to be unwrapping. I've missed a bit. I want to go back because that's such a bit. Jesus did the main bit. Jesus did the main bit. He raised him from the from the grave. He brought him back to life when he was dead. But he gets people to unwrap the death clothes. And so we're going to have people coming into church who, are, who they're dead in their sin. They're dead in their wasted life. They're dead in their rebellion. They're dead in their in their sinfulness. They're going to come out. Jesus is going to call them out. Say, say, you know, Penny, come out. Uh, Jonathan, come out. Whatever their names are, we don't know who they are just yet. He's going to be calling people out. They're going to come to us with their grave clothes on. And so Jesus does the saving. We have the responsibility of the discipling. We have. It's not up to me. It's up to all of us. So don't disciple people to be stupid. Don't disciple people to be pathetic, to be sooky, sulky, little dependent Christians. We've got we to raise people, unwrap people to say, you're called of God. You're bigger than this. You know, don't be sooking about everything. Don't, you know, don't, don't be a complainer in church. Be a person who has, has the power of God upon them. Unwrap people the right way. This is really corny, but it's, it's sort of making sense to me. <clears throat> But we can easily miss opportunities from God because we didn't roll away the stone or unwrap the bandages. The key here is Jesus does the saving. He'll do his bit every time, and we've got to do our bit. He, he does the saving. We do the discipling. That's our responsibility. There's amazing key there. So, um, crazy thing. Some people think, why have church? Because it gets us together in a healthy place. And I want church to be a healthy place. I don't want it to be a manipulating place. I don't want it to be a confrontational place and and all these kind of things that that we think are are spiritual and sometimes they're not. Because it's a place that gets us together uh, where we help each other unwrap the death covers and find freedom. Because I need people to help me unwrap my death covers. Because I I have areas where I need to have things unwrapped on me. And we all have things that we need others to help us unwrap in us. And if we, if we have a, a place of safety, a good, a good church is an unwrapping church that helps to unwrap those things. We, are we born again? Yes. Are we, are, we, um, are we called out of the tomb by God? Yes. But we need to have people help us to unlock, unwrap the potential that is within us. So... It's, it's changing gears from coming to church for my needs 
to come into church but to feel the needs of others. And sometimes we, 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 what gets in the way of challenge, even the preacher that, but you know what? I'm selfish. I'm a selfish little dude. And I want to come to church and have my, I want to come to church and listen to the preacher. I don't want to have to prepare a message. I don't want to give up my weekend to prepare, to preach. I've got to come and get other to come and preach. And we all have our own little thing. I don't, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to prepare. I don't want to be a worship leader. I don't want to, I don't want to have to work on the sound desk. And I, people come to me, they think, how come, how come, how come can you be a similar Christian? They like, I just need, I just need time to, you know, God understands. No, I don't, we don't want to kill people. We don't want to burn people. We don't want to burn people out. But we, we, we want to be people that, who are renewing our source because the natural thing that should be coming out of our life is called fruit. You can't grow fruit if, it, if, if, you, if you're not tilling the soil, planting things and, and, and looking after it, water, watering it and all that sort of stuff. Still too young, I'll, I'll leave that a bit. It's changing gears. Changing gears, oh, look, I'm not going to do it by age 30, sorry. Is, come, is from coming to church for my needs to coming to church to fulfill the needs of others. Jesus does the salvation part, we do the unwashing part, the disciple part. And you know what? I don't think discipling is a word, but because it's broken, it does a word. Unwrap. We've got to unwrap the preachers who were dead but are now alive. And and they don't even know that. They don't even know that they're the that, that they're going to have an anointing on their life to be an amazing preacher. They come to the top of the mountain. I've seen it. I've had an open heart. But I was dead, but suddenly I'm alive, and I can't see very far, and I'm not very free. But I came into one heart church, and they started to unwrap things in me. And, and then we've got to unwrap the worship leaders who were dead, but they're now alive, and they don't even know that they can sing. They're not all gifted like me. We've got to unwrap the, the, the kids who coming into the house of God, just popping in. Well, my, my parents are out of control. My life's a mess. But, but somehow they're getting into church. We've got to unwrap that because they could be a prime minister here. Yeah, last week I was at our, our state leaders' day in Adelaide and this guy was there from Hillsong Church. He's the, um, he's the, the campus pastor of the city, uh, what do they call it? I don't know. The Hills Campus, the, the, the main one. And it turns out he's Brazilian, like me. He's anointed. And, and I was having a chat with him, and he says to me, oh, I, I said, because I you know, read his scripture and all this, I, I said, well, he must have grown up in Sydney and asked me about his life, what, you know, his family and all that. And as it turns out, he says he grew up in Geelong. In Geelong. And he says, I, I got saved in Rick Rescue's youth group. I, Rick Rescue's a good friend of mine. He, he's been here to preach. He says, I was 14 years old. I got saved in Rick Rescue's youth group. He mentored me and coached me and all this stuff. Somehow he ends up in Sydney. And he's this 14-year-old punk. And you think now he's a campus pastor at Hillsong. From Geelong. I mean, God, that's not fair. But what I'm saying, all that, is because... We've got to be seeing kids coming into our youth group, coming to know Jesus. We've got to see kids in our kids' church. And you think, oh, well, I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I don't want to, ha- I don't want to serve these kids. We don't know what's going to be 
in our, in our areas with these kids coming to us. So, unwrapping. The next little story I want to tell you is from Genesis chapter 24. And I've just called this bit the unnamed servant. Have you ever done anything and never got recognized? You think, what about why I did it? Why told him to do that? Someone else takes the credit? Someone else takes the cream? Well, you're not only doing what I told him to. Well, this guy's like that, the unnamed servant. In Genesis chapter 24, the story of Abraham, and he wants to find a wife for his son, Isaac. And it says, um, can we keep going? I just don't want to keep hearing that. Okay. Abraham, he calls his servant in. doesn't say what his name is. It says, Abraham called his oldest servant. That's, all, that's his only claim to fame. He's the old one. He says, come to me. He goes, I want you to go and find my son a wife. Now, he could have said, this servant could have said, he's your son, you find him. You find him. It's not my problem. And how's is my problem? So, he could have said that, but he doesn't. But in this, we see the commitment of Abraham's unnamed servant who takes ownership and charge of something that is totally his, that, that is, is world-changing. He didn't know that at the time, but it, but it was. So Abraham makes him take an oath. This is a bit that you really need to get. Now this is getting a little bit awkward. I, I need Jimmy to come out the front here. You're the unnamed, no, no, you're the unnamed, you're the unnamed servant. So, you, no, you just stand there. And Abraham said to him, I want you to take an oath because I want you to find my son a wife. And, and, and the servant goes, yeah, okay, master, yes, yes, master. And he says, well, I want you to take an oath. And this is what, how the oath is going to be. So Abraham's sitting there. He says, I want you to put your hand under my thigh. <laughs> so come on, unnamed servant. Well, so how would you do that? You think, where's my thigh? See, I'm about here. And, and yeah, so I'll just have a go. No, 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 no. I want you to do it. <laughs> I don't know why. I've heard preaching and they've said why, but I can't remember. But he says, I want you to go and find my son a wife, and you're gonna, I want you to make an oath. And, and to prove that oath, you put your hand under my thigh. Now, that's awkward. Abraham makes him make an oath. And uh, God's given us each a cause, a purpose. And you're here in One Heart Church. Now, the other amazing thing about church is I don't pay you to be here. Uh, I don't beg you to be here. But God somehow got us all here because he wants us all here to do something together. And uh, many never push through because at the point that they, they hold back. And I, I've lost count of people who, who I've known, I've grown up with, spent time with, and, and they've, they've got to this point of, of tipping point. They're, they're going so good, going so well, and God's saying, come on, I just want this thing, I want you to go to the place of make an oath with me. And they're almost there, and then they say, uh, you know what, I've changed my mind. Seems a little bit better to, to go surfing on Sunday 
seems a little bit better just to, to leave, leave some space for my hunting kit. You know, it, it seems a little bit better just instead of going so far to make an oath, I'll leave my options open. But Abraham pointed him in the direction. He says, I want you to go over to this place and find my son a wife. And he points him in the direction and says, now find Isaac a wife. Now, in every church, you can tell the difference between those who serve because they've accepted God's oath and those who don't. And I want us to be known as a church where we see there's the people of the oath. Is that making sense? There's people of the oath. They're not just there because it's convenient. They're just not there because it's going to be easy. They're just not there because they had nothing else to do on Sundays. They're there because they've put their hand under God's thigh and said, you can count on me. They put themselves where it was uncomfortable. That's the thing. It's awkward. You see, Jimmy, he's not putting his hand there. And we're saying we've got to put our hand in God's thigh and say, God, you can count on me. I'm making oath. It is awkward. People are going to say, what are you doing? People are going to say, I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense. Why do you need to do that? Because God wants to call us into a place of discipleship, of unwrapping, and part of that is saying, God, I'm going to commit myself. I'm going to make an oath to your calling. Yeah. So in our context, God asks us to take an oath of service and a commitment to come. And that's not easy, and it's not the best, you know, the most comfortable bit, but it's the most crucial. So getting on with it, Genesis 24, verse 35 and 46. Abraham's servant, he goes to, to, to Padan Aram where, where he's told to go, and uh, he's looking for this person to be Isaac's wife. And it says he goes to, to the well, and, and uh, he took his charge seriously, and uh, he prayed. He gets to this well where, where Abraham told him, go to, go to this place, start, start looking for a wife there. So he goes there. And one of the things, if you want to be in God's plan, you've got to be, you've got to be hearing where God's telling you to go. So in this case, Abraham's like, God. So you've got to be saying, well, God, where do you want me to be positioned? Where do you want me to go? And sometimes God will be saying, I just want you to do two things. I just want you to grab the vacuum cleaner and be committed to that. Make an oath. God, I'm going to serve. I'm going to vacuum this church every Sunday. Because you know what? I didn't start by being mentored by by uh, awesome uh, pastors in my life, I started because I said, I'm going to make an oath to clean the church and put the chairs out every Sunday. And it wasn't just that easy because we had to drive a truck and put 200 chairs in and be doing it for a while. But you've all heard that before, that that's all good. Um, but Abraham sent his servant and, and uh, he, he gets there and he prays. Never disconnect yourself from the, from the power of spiritual connections. And saying, God, help me to see what I need to see. Help me to see what others can't see. So be a praying person. This guy was unnamed, but he's not forgotten. And people might not know your name, but you won't be forgotten by God. So I want to encourage you, be a praying person saying, God, help me to see what no one else can see. So when I'm making a coffee for someone on Sunday, help me to see what no one else is seeing. Help me to notice that person. So, and as the story goes on, it, he sees Rebecca, and he says, "Oh, he's interested in him. He's praying, and this lady, this this, you know, chicky babe's turning up with her water jar, and he says, "God, if she's the one, give me a sign. 
and, and he, he says, well, God, if he's the one, then what do I ask for her to give me a drink? And if he said to, drink, to, to, to uh, give water to the camels as well, then I'll know she's awake. And she gets it, and he's got 10 camels, and they drink a lot of water. There's, there's a few, few things that you've got to be applying to your life. Be applying carefully through your own plate. And the next thing, have a desire to please God first. Because this servant, his desire was to please Abraham first. So he's saying, I'm on a mission to find this wife. And we've got to be desiring to find the, the thing that it is that God wants us to fulfill. So whatever that could be in your life. So he desires to find the right one who will marry Isaac. So he could have he could, he could have just grabbed any woman. The first, you know, first or the last or whatever. Just say, oh, you'll do. You're you're female. You're coming with me. But we've got to make a uh, make a check of our desires. Are they in line with the master? And and always be open to God to direct our path. Be open with your pastors. Be open with your leaders. Be talking to them about the desires that are in you. You know, I, I had a person talk to me uh, a few years ago about, uh, they said, oh, my pastor called me in and was talking to me and asked me um, all these questions. And they asked me, well, what, what, are your, um, what are your plans for ministry? And he went on in this, this tangent of just like, you know, no connection to, to anything. And I'm thinking, that pastor, if that was me, I would have thought, this guy's got no idea. Because his, his, his whole... His whole vision is, is separated from everything. It's, there's no connection to, to any other group, any other church, any other anything. And we've got to, you know, your desires in God have always got to connect back into something. And I believe that something ought to be church. So Abraham sent his servant, and uh, in, in this case, it indicates, indicates delegation as well and trust. So leaders, if you're here, you have to be um, delegating trust to people. You know, you've got to be letting other people do things. That, that goes for all of us. Um, it's, it's up to you to find the one and take that seriously. If you've, if you've been given a task to say, well, God, I want to I be in that task, and I just might find the one who, who's going to be the next great worship leader in this building. Just because I opened the door that time. Just because I said, yeah, put me on the roster and I'll, and I'll do the, the PowerPoint. Whatever it is, that could be the difference. That could be what makes a difference. So be praying, be seeking God and see who walks by. See who you can encourage into the call of God. See who you can connect. So this unknown servant was a connector between Isaac and Rebecca. If it wasn't for him, there would be no future. You've got, to, you've got to start to say, God, help me be a connector of the, of the plans of God in Port Lincoln. So what, a, what or who are we looking for as we find in verse 18? Um, we've got to look for people with the spirit of Rebecca. So when he asked for a drink, she went the extra 10 miles and she watered 10 camels as well. We've got to pray and we've got to believe. We need to get out of our, our normal, out of our comfort. Um, uh, we, we, we've got to be seeing in people 
And being a church that brings out the best in people, not so that, you know, sometimes you have people with a lot of drive, sometimes people with a lot of grit, and we're saying, oh, no, 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 you come down. You come down to our level, Pastor. Don't stuff too hard. You come back down. And we want to be people who are saying, no, we want to we be out the best. That's why we do things in, in church where we honor people to give them above and beyond. Because we want what to, we, what we promote, we produce. We want to produce more people who are like Rebecca, who says, you know, come on, you, you're, you want some water? I know water all the time is cheap. So we need to be, we need to be uh, finding those people in our church for promotion and saying, you know what, look at that kid. What an amazing heart, attitude, all that sort of stuff. So um, when, we're, when we're looking at people, find those with the spirit of Rebecca. You choose to be a person with the spirit of Rebecca. Be praying and believing for them. And um, expect the more to see the more than person in our church. So Jimmy and Grace, you need to be believing for our more than people. You don't, you don't need people who, who you're saying, hey, I'm a little bit thirsty and, and, I, and I need some help tonight. And they're going, oh, well, you know, we're all thirsty. Should have brought your own water bucket. You know, you want to, you, they want to have people around them on the music team who are saying, hey, Jimmy and Beth, I'm here early. I've set up the sound. I've set up the sound thing. Uh, I, I've, all, I've already turned the heaters on. I'm already there. I'm, I'm watering your camels. We, we need people who are going to see that, come into church and, 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 and see with their department leaders, see their, their, their welcome team leader and say, you know what, I'll, I'll do that. You don't have to worry. I've, got all, I've already got the milk. All, all those little things make a huge difference. Now, Josh needs people around him who are saying, you know what, don't worry about the games, I've got them covered. You don't have to even think about that anymore. You just think about preaching and, and, and pastoral care and all that sort of stuff. So we need to get out of our normal less than expectations of people because it's actually sin. And, and we need to be finding a place where people come in, popping in with their grey clothes on, but we unwrap them so that they can start saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in the purpose of God now. So let's let's do that, hey. And we need to celebrate them and, and promote them into all that God has for them. Uh, there's too much in this stuff that I won't get in tonight. It's stuff about families and, and how um, and I just really go for it because Rebecca's family, he says, so this unknown servant, he's a nobody. He says, Rebecca, you're the one. Uh, put the ring on your finger or in your nose or something, and and, and he says. He say you're gonna you're gonna marry my 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 master's son, and she says, oh, that is awesome, man. That's a dream, and and so she says, yes, yes, God, I want to go, I want to go, and sometimes God comes into into our teenagers' lives, our kids, and and He says, I'm calling you for a great thing, I'm putting anointing on you for ministry, and then it gets to dad or mum, they're going, nah, you're spending too much time at church, don't you know you're doing year twelve. Uh, start saying, no, 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 no. But Rebecca, it's a message for parents. Rebecca's parents, her dad, says, yes, you can have it. Hopefully, hopefully he did that because he recognized the Spirit of God, not the jewels on her head. He says, yes, you can go. And we, we, need to be, we need to be a church full of families that are promoting the purpose of God in our kids. Not, not saying, oh, well, you're being naughty. Well, you can't go to church this week because we're not going to you. That's the last thing we should be banning. But we're here to be preparing the bride of Christ, and we ought to be uh, keeping that attitude of Rebecca 
and they are to earn his keep. And it's false. The word says false. I'm getting tired now. The false perspective, everyone does a little bit, but we get the job done. That's just a lie. That's dumb. Don't say it from our pulpit. Jesus is calling us and has always called those to give it all to see the miraculous power of God. Don't say, oh, if everyone just did a little bit, then we'll have a happy church. If everyone just prays a little bit. But I'll tell you something, in everything, there's just, there's something in there. Happening in us. We will change the world from Port Richard. Got too much for me. So that's it. Another heartbreak. So I'll finish with this. In our ministry departments, we aim to see energy, engagement, and encouragement flourish. So we have a youth ministry, not a youth ministry. But we have a youth ministry for our own sake. My, my 23 years in youth ministry, I went around from church to church starting youth ministries. And people hated me. People sent letters to the pastor. People want to have meetings with me and the pastor. Because it's not fun enough. It's, it's not right enough. But you know something today? There's fruit from the youth ministry if you read Scott Hughes, you'd know it. And that's, that's because we chose to have a youth ministry, not a youth ministry. We've got we to have this understanding. We, we want to have a, a kid's ministry, not a kid's club. Uh, we want to have you know, a toddler's ministry so that we can minister to them at their level. So they, so they don't come to church because I, I went to church as, as a young person. I hated it. It was the last place I wanted to be. It's like boring. It doesn't make any sense. It's like stupid. It's, it's torture. Let's have, this, let's have that little snack bar. There's a distraction in the middle. That's all. I like that bit. The rest is, is just doesn't make any sense. But we have a toddler's ministry because it's, that's bringing Jesus down at their level to little kids. And they're, they're learning the Word of God. They're learning about, the, about Jesus. They're learning about the Holy Spirit. They're, we want them to worship there. We want them to speak in tongues there. We want them to be filled with the power of God there. That's why we do it. So we have a worship team, not a band. Jesus worship. We have a worship team, not a band. And while we do Sunday, we, we do church, but yet that's called church. It's not a it's not like a team. So if you don't like it, it's not about you. <laughs> but if there's stuff that you don't like, we're not here to entertain you. Now if I'm preaching nonsense, if I'm preaching about you know some some stuff that's not in the word of God, then complain. But if it's just like something that you know, that's utter fuck. Then you say, Lord, help me to see the reverse. Help me to see what I can't see. Help me to see in others what they can't, what others can't see. You be the one who, who who's, who's the, the connector of the purpose of God. So, because we want to make the world a better place. We, we want our little kids to know God. But when they can become kids who know God, who become youths who know God, who aren't falling off every left, right and centre, so that we have a strong church that knows God, engaging in every level so that people aren't jumping off all along the way. Because sometimes I see kids, they don't make it from toddlers to kids. Oh, I don't like it anymore. I don't want to go to church Sunday. 
Thanks, Craig. I'll thank you on that. We need the 11 countries to make transition from kids' church to youth. It's the same reason. So we want to be an engaging church. We want to we want to be rolling the stone away because our tribe is dying. They might come hopping out with a day program, but we're all here to start up that leadership. So we're called to leadership. We're called to purpose. We're called to the things of God. And, you know, if you don't know, that is the most important thing that you have in your life. That is the single most important thing you have in your life, above everything else. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to just hand it over to Pastor Craig. So if we don't engage in these things, we're going to have people jump off all around the world. So we're going to pray change here in our church. We're going to pray for real change right now in our lives. Uh, and I also want us to pray for our one priority. So why don't you stand with me and uh, perhaps <coughs> have some, some music. And uh, we're just going to spend uh, two or three minutes. One of the things that we always do on these nights, we normally do it near the start, is to pray together. We're going to spend just five minutes, and I want you to pray out loud. Um, I'm going to put the microphone down. But I want you to pray, saying, God, change gears in my life. Lord, change the gears in our church as a, as a corporate group that we start to see the Rebecca's and the reasons why are behind. That's the other thing why we do these nights is to, to explain the why we do what we do why these things are important to us, why these things are not negotiable for us. And hopefully you can uh, absorb some of that in your life and say, yes, well, I want to help to you know, produce more of that. So let's pray and uh, pray with me. Let's stretch your voice out, cry out to God, and uh, let's see what God does from tonight onwards.